Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, having trained more than 24,000 pets, helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio on Independent Dog 1100 KFNX, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura, answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Welcome to Pet Talk today. I hope everyone's having a great Sunday afternoon. Thanks for joining us here on the Pet Talk Today show. I'm your host, Will Bangura, and we'll be here for the next hour answering your pet behavior and training questions as we do every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. here on Independent Talk, 1100 KFNX. If you have a question about your pet's behavior or a training question, give us a call. Uh, perhaps you've got a Doberman that's dominant or a Cocker Spaniel that's crazy or a terrier that's just terrible. We're going to help you with all your pet behavior questions, so give us a call. If you're in Phoenix, you can call 602-277-5369, 602-277-KFNX. If you're outside of Phoenix, you can call toll-free 866-536-1100. Today in the studio with me is the one and only Bill Brady, who for the last four weeks has had to make the Odd transition from politics to pets. <laughs> hey, Bill, how are you today? I'm good. That may not be such a transition. No? Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how, how pets and, and, and politicians are a little bit different. But, uh, you know, you're, you're the political guru here at KFNX, right? Um, yeah. Like to think. But I bet what you don't know is that all dogs are Democrats. <laughs> No, it's true. It's true. I, I hate to say it, but all dogs are Democrats. I mean, from the day they're born, they're on doggy welfare, you know, and, and it stays that way their whole life. So not only are they Democrats, but one could say they're lifelong Democrats. <laughs> you know, they depend on us for everything. They can't do anything for themselves. It's just one big free ride for them. Dogs are definitely Democrats. But, you know... There's one person, I know you might not have known that, but there is one person who I think knows that dogs are Democrats, and, and he hates dogs. I mean, he absolutely hates dogs, hates them just like he hates Democrats. And that person is Donald Trump. <laughs> do you know, do you know that he's the only president that has never owned a dog? Actually, he's never owned any pet for that matter. Every president that we've had in history has always had a dog. Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush Sr., every president except Trump has had a dog. You know, it's like a tradition that the White House uh, and each administration has a first dog. Yeah. But but not Trump. That's why I'm pretty sure that, that Trump knows that all dogs are Democrats. He hates them. He hates them like he hates <laughs> Democrats. Whenever he, you know, Whenever he talks bad about someone, he refers to them like they're dogs. You don't believe me? Here, take a listen. A lot to of this. people choke. They choke like dogs. They can't breathe. Oh. He choked. He went away. He choked. It's just like a dog. He choked. I'm watching Marco sweating like a dog on my right. And he was fired like a dog. They throw you the hell out like a dog. She lied like a dog. I see her barking like a dog. Right. She's barking like a dog. He was run out of office like a dog. He died like a dog. 
He died like a dog. He choked like a dog. She barked like a dog. He got fired like a dog. See? Trump knows. All dogs are Democrats, and, and that's why he hates them. You know? Now, there might be one exception, one exception to all dogs being Democrats, and, and that would be working dogs. You know, because working dogs, you know, they've got a job. You know, there's no doggy welfare for them. Those dogs have to work. You know, they got to work really hard to put food in their bowl. <laughs> not, not, not like other dogs that are on, that are on doggy welfare. Speaking of working dogs, we also have Phil with us in studio who has spent most of his adult life training and competing with working dogs. Phil is also our head trainer at Phoenix Dog Training. Hey, Phil, how are you today? I'm great, Will. Thanks. Very, very good this morning. I appreciate the uh, invitation here. Well, we're glad that you're here. Phil's going to be here today uh, helping us answer a lot of our training and behavior questions. Uh, we received a lot of emails this week about dog behavior and training, um, because that's what we do here on Pet Talk Today. We answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. We take your calls and answer your questions about your pet's behavior. So give us a call right now now at 602-277-5369, 602-277-KFNX. If you're outside of Phoenix, you can call toll-free at 866-536-1100. I'm Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk Today on Independent Talk 1100 KFNX. We're going to be taking a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to discuss pet talk in the news, and then answer your pet behavior and training questions. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Raised by Wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions and taking your calls. It's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free 866 866- 536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Listening to Pet Talk today on Independent Talk 1100 KFNX. See, I I told you, if it's in a country western song, then you know it's it's got to be true. 
It's got to be true. Thanks for joining us. I am Will Bangura. This is Pet Talk Today, and you are listening to 1100 KFNX. And we are taking your calls, your behavior and question calls about your dog, and you can give us a call at 602-277-KFNX, 602-277-5369. Outside of Phoenix, you can call toll-free at 866-536-1100. Right now, we're going to go into pet talk news. And actually, you know, this is some good news. Uh, researchers in Germany have found that army sniffer dogs can discern between samples from coronavirus infected uh, and healthy patients. So high is the level of accuracy. They hope that this can be used in real-life scenarios. Scientists at the University of Veterinary Medicine, Hanover, have found that trained sniffer dogs could be used to detect COVID-19 in human samples with a relatively high rate of accuracy. A study published on Thursday uh, showed where they had eight sniffer dogs from the German Bundeswehr. I think I got that right. They were trained for only a week to distinguish between the mucus and saliva of patients infected with coronavirus and non-infected individuals. The dogs were then presented with positive and negative samples on a random basis by a machine. The animals were able to positively detect COVID-19 infected secretions with an 83% success rate and control secretions at a rate of 96%. The overall detection rate combining both was 94%. So that's pretty amazing. And not only that, but Chile is also doing that. Uh, Police dogs in Chile are being trained to sniff out COVID-19 in humans, and they're calling them biodetector dogs. And they were talking about they can, each dog can go ahead and sniff out 250 people an hour. Now, Think about this. If you got four dogs, all right, that's a thousand people in an hour. That's every six seconds that they can determine whether or not you've got the coronavirus. And they can do that with anywhere between an 83 to a 94 percent accuracy rate. Now, that sure beats waiting in line for eight hours in the heat and having some big old swab stuck up your nose and, and causing a whole lot of pain for yourself. So that is, I think, I think that's extremely promising. And, and it's amazing because, you know, they say dogs are our best friend. Well, hey, they might be, they might be the ones that really help us uh, in order to be able to reopen a lot of places because they can go into stadiums, they can go into airports, you know, and they can check instantly as people are going in there. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Now we've got another thing. Jacob Peltz. Well, Jacob Peltz is facing three felony charges. This is from Garden City, Michigan. A Garden City man was charged after posting an ad seeking sex with dogs that triggered an undercover investigation and led to the discovery of an injured rabbit, according to authorities. Now, you know, I was reading this, I was wondering, how in the heck do you do an undercover investigation? How do you do that? What do you do? Take the police canine dogs and dress them up in really sexy muzzles and harnesses and, and parade them in front of this guy or what? Anyway, Elise Ramsey, an investigator with the Michigan Humane Society, said she'll go anywhere to stop animal cruelty. And she says, truly, we were on this case 
from the complaint until now. Over two years that we were working on this investigation, Ramsey said. In March of 2018, Craigslist shut down its personal section to help stop human trafficking. One of the final posts came from the metro Detroit area. It was an anonymous person seeking to engage in sexual activity with dogs. Um, Anyway... Peltz was charged with a 10-year felony for using a computer to commit a crime, a five-year felony for crimes against nature, and animal cruelty for an injured rabbit recovering during the case, authorities said. Well, Mr. Peltz, you are one sick puppy, or one sick bunny, and you get the Golden Canine Leg Lift Award of the Week, my friend. You are a sicko. <laughs> I think that's enough of the news for today. We are here taking your calls about your pet behavior problems. You can give us a call at 602-277-5369, 602-277-KFNX outside of Phoenix. Call toll-free at 866-536-1100. And I believe we have Bonnie from Apache Junction. Hi, Bonnie. Welcome to Pet Talk today. Hi there. Hi, Bonnie. What's your question? My question is more like a statement like, Rump doesn't like dogs because they are smarter than him and have more compassion than him, and you can't teach them to drink Kool-Aid. And you're shit. Well, Bonnie, thank you for your call, but we're going to have to let you go on that one. I think we've got, uh, do we have, we've got a bunch of uh, email questions, isn't that right? Phil, do we have some uh, Yes, we do. In fact, uh, I've got have? one right here in front of me, kind of interesting. Uh, the first question would come from Tanya in Scottsdale, and Tanya asks, Every day my dog Audrey wakes up around 7 a.m., excitedly ready to go outside and then to come in and eat her breakfast. At around 10 o'clock a.m., she comes to get me for her mid-morning walk. By 5.45 p.m., she's staring at me, wagging her tail, ready for her dinner. She knows it's time when uh, my husband gets home from work. Mm-hmm. It's time to usually play around the house. And she knows when it's time to hang out and just watch TV. So is my dog a genius, or can she tell time? Well, you know, I get that question a lot, and and it's kind of complicated. Um, There's several things. Your dog knows when it's time for food or walks, or what time someone usually comes home through a combination of things. It's it's partly because dogs have a good sense of light change and cycles and smell, which helps them gauge time. And it's partly based off their family's routine. So it has a lot to do with your routine as well, Tanya. I mean, unlike cats, dogs are very social pack animals, and they integrate into our lives and routines very quickly. Um, there's probably multiple components to a dog seemingly uh, knowing that it's time to eat, uh, their feeling of hunger, their routine of the owner, as well as their circadian cycles and rhythm. Um, Dogs are also really in tune to their family's group activity periods. For example, my dog will sleep as long as I sleep, but as soon as I begin to wake or my breathing changes um, or I shift a little bit, my dog is up. They'll follow your family's cues. Also, there's been some recent studies that have shown that dogs likely have internal mechanisms to tell time. Again, scientists have attributed that to a combination of light, smells, and routines. One of the theories 
has dogs gauging time in a similar fashion to humans using an internal pacemaker mechanism. Like most animals, dogs also, they're, they're heavily influenced by their circadian rhythms, where the amount of daylight influences their daily routine, such as their sleep-wake cycles. But the thing that I find most uh, interesting is that smell, and you know dogs have this fantastic sense of smell, but smells also play a part. Uh, the dog isn't reading a clock as much as it's reading the level of scent in the home. So when you leave the house, your scent is at one particular level. As the day goes on, that scent level begins to decrease because you're not there. And believe it or not, dogs are able to detect when a scent gets to a certain point. And at that certain point, when you normally get home, they know that that's the point, and they'll get up and they'll go wait by the door. So it's not that uh, your dog can tell time, but uh, there are interesting reasons why. So I hope that helped, Tanya. Okay, we've got another caller. It looks like we've got Molly in Phoenix. Molly, welcome to Pet Talk today. Hi, how are you? I'm good. What's your question? Um, I have a an eight year old pit bull named Billy Holiday. Billy Holiday. And she is um kind of overweight right now. Um but um she is um the best dog and she never complains, never does everything that she's supposed to do. But recently, like the last three days, she's been kind of walking funny and um I noticed that it was her left left front arm mm-hmm. um that she was licking a lot and like on her wrist area and mm-hmm. she wasn't putting a lot of weight on it. Mm-hmm. And she um there, I, I checked it, and there's no wounds, there's no bruising, there's no anything. I move it around, it's fine to be moved around, but I can tell that it pains her. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is arthritis, maybe, on the mm-hmm. onset of it, or if maybe she fractured it. She doesn't really run. She, she just sleeps a lot. Sure. But um, but I don't really know what to do. I've called veter- vet, um, veterinarians in my area, and they're booked for the next, well, so. that's what you need to do. You, you've got the first thing you need to do is you've got to talk to your veterinarian because there's a couple things. Now, I'm not a veterinarian. I'm not giving out medical advice, but what I can talk to is my experience. And you know, if your dog is overweight and a little bit older, and if your dog is you know kind of licking its paws, well, that and, and you've got a dog that's limping, there could be some inflammatory problems going on. And that's autoimmune. And one of the biggest autoimmune issues that we have in dogs is hypothyroidism. And it's not uncommon for a dog to have hypothyroidism as they get older. Um, it's more common in terriers and in a, in a pit bull as a terrier. Um, and that inflammation can cause limping. It can uh, cause uh, skin problems, other allergies. So the first thing you need to do is you, you got to take the dog to a veterinarian. The other thing is um, limping sometimes uh, can be the other part of inflammation can be um, when a dog might have valley fever. So you want to go ahead and make sure that you get your dog to the veterinarian. That's the biggest thing. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Appreciate the call there. Um 
We are going to be taking a quick break here in just a second. Um, and when we come back, we're going to be answering more of your pet behavior and training questions. Um, we've got some email questions as well. Um, you can give us a call in Phoenix at 602-277-5369-602-277 KFNX outside of Phoenix. Call toll free at 866-536-1100. I am Will Bangura. I am your host. You're listening to Pet Talk Today. Don't go away. We'll be right back. No, I think we're closing too early, huh? Ah, I got my timing a little bit wrong there. I've got a minute left. We'll hear that. we got another minute left. What are our, what we'll do is maybe with that minute we can say one of the questions we have and, and then we'll go ahead and uh, start the answer. Okay, great. Well, this question is uh, from, and I apologize for the pronunciation here to all my friends who live in France, but uh, this question is from Itza Yana, who lives in Paris, France. And the question would be, how do I get my dogs to stop fighting over their food? Ah, now that's a question that we get a lot as far as dogs fighting over their food. Um, and we will talk about that and answer that question as soon as we get back from our break. Again, this is Will Bangor. You're listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX. We'll be right back. by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies, answering questions and taking your calls. It's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free 866 866- 536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Welcome back. I am your host, Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk Today on Independent Talk, 1100 KFNX. We're here talking about your pets and answering your pet behavior and training questions every Sunday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. So give us a call with your pet behavior and training questions. The number to call in Phoenix is 6 602-277-5369, 202-277, 602-277-KFNX. Outside of Phoenix, call us toll-free at 866-536-1100. Before we went to break, we had a question that was emailed from Itzayana, who lives in Paris, France, and she said, how can I get my two dogs to stop fighting over food? Now, the first thing I always tell people is you got to do triage, okay? And, and you got to prevent, you got to be preventative because you're never going to be able to correct the problem if they keep engaging in that. So the first thing that you need to do, even though it's not the long-term solution, is you need to feed the dog separately in separate locations. And if that means getting two crates or if that means putting one uh, in a bedroom, don't have the food out where they can get into the fight. That's the first thing. The second thing you need to do is you've got to have phenomenal obedience training because if you can't get your dog to lay down and stay, 
you are never going to get your dog to stop fighting over food. And if you think about it, if you've got two dogs that are really committed to a behavior, like a downstay, really committed, if you put the time in to train them, they can't do two things at the same time. They can't be laying down there with their food in front of them on a stay command and going after the other dog at the same time. Now, when you start that training, you've got to work with each dog individually and get each dog to a very high level of reliability on that down stay before you ever try to bring the two together. And then when you begin to present food, you don't just put the whole bowl down with food. You start giving them two, three pieces of kibble from your hand first back and forth. And then you put a little more into the bowl, a little more at a time. This is a gradual process that that can take up to two months. So there's no quick fixes for that, but appreciate uh, appreciate your question. Uh, I think we've got a caller. We've got, I believe it's Ada in Sun Lake. Ada, yes. welcome to Pet Talk today. Thank you. I've got two Mountain Cur 17-month-old puppies, male and female. They're both fixed from the same litter, and they bark, constantly bark. I, thought I don't you told know me how to get, if I'm home, if somebody's outside, if they see something, they just bark. Yeah. I thought you just told me they were fixed. So how um, is there, how can I get them to stop the bark? I've tried yeah. the whistle thing. Yeah. I've tried those little, it looks sure. like a little... A toy gun mm-hmm. that uh, you're supposed to push the button and yeah. it has a light and it's supposed to yeah, stop the dog. Yeah, they usually don't work. Doesn't no, surprise doesn't work. me. Doesn't surprise me. One of the first things that you need to do, I know this sounds paradoxical, but you need to teach your dog to bark on command. And that's easy enough to do. Your dogs are already barking. So when the dog barks, you're going to overlay the command speak and you're going to reward the dog. And they're going to bark, you're going to say, speak, give them a food reward. They're going to bark, you're going to say, speak, give them a food reward. You're going to do that over and over until you can ask them to bark by saying, speak. Now you have the opportunity to proactively be able to teach them how not to bark because you've got them barking when you want them to bark. You know, one of the easiest things to do in that situation would be to also teach them another command that would get a reward, like a sit command, all right? You would teach that separately over and over. You tell them sit, they sit, give them a reward. Tell them sit, they sit, you give them another reward. Dogs are going to do what gets them the biggest payout. And if you're, especially if your dogs, I don't know if they're food motivated or not, but I guarantee you that if you do this, if you tell them speak, and you give them a reward, and you tell them speak, and then the next time you say quiet, sit, and they sit, they're going to be quiet because they're going to want that food reward. Again, there is no quick fix for this. You've got to do this over and over and over again. But what you need to do is teach them an alternative behavior. And when they're engaging in sitting, it's going to interrupt the behavior of barking, but you're going to do this first proactively when there's not some kind of a distraction that's out there, but give that a try because I always recommend that you try positive reinforcement, teaching an alternative behavior before we start looking at punishment. But, you know, I'll talk a little bit about that. Very simply, you could have a leash and a collar on the dog. Um, As they begin to bark, you can go ahead and very, very gently lift up just gently so there's a little pressure on the neck and you say quiet and when they're quiet you release that pressure 
And again, they start barking a slight lift of the leash upward. You're going to say quiet, and then you release that pressure. Now, never reward a dog for stopping a behavior. So when they're quiet, you don't go, good dog, and give them food. Okay? Give that a shot, and I think that that might work for you. Looks like we've got another caller. We've got Dell in South Phoenix. Dell, welcome to Pet Talk today. Hi, thank you. My question is regarding my 18-year-old cat. Okay. Um, about six to nine months ago, I noticed her very loudly coming over every time she would wake up and come over and try to get my attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she would whine really loudly for until I acknowledged her presence. Um, I took her to the vet, and she was diagnosed with high blood pressure. Okay. And she's on medication, and she's also going deaf. Okay. But um, she continually does that, and she's also over-grooming herself. She grooms mm-hmm. herself so much mm-hmm. that she has, like, bald spots on her on her tail and on her body. And I don't know what to do about that. Well, that sounds like acrylic dermatitis, which is, again, a, a medical condition. And that is based on usually a lot of anxiety. And I can tell you, you know, if your cat is going deaf, chances are, you know, the whole world is changing for your cat. You know, they've been going for years and years hearing everything. And all of a sudden, you know, their whole environment starts closing in on them as they can't hear anything anymore. Sounds like that's a lot of anxiety that that's going on uh, with the cat. And, you know... Um, what I would recommend is go back to your vet, talk to your vet about some uh, anxiety medication. I, I can't obviously prescribe that. I'm not a vet. I can't give medical advice. But, you know, um, we get a lot of this um, when I'm working with people that have, uh, you know, cats that are going deaf or, you know, the anxiety is causing them to start, you know, chewing destructively on themselves. You get a lot of this whining and crying and there's no real reason for it. Um, a lot of times it's anxiety. The other thing, um, you may have already done this, but make sure that uh, you brought the cat back to the vet and make sure that the blood pressure is being normalized by the medication that the veterinarian uh, prescribed. But give that a shot, and again, go back to your vet, and we'll see what happens with that. We've got Next, we've got Doris in Phoenix. Doris, welcome to Pet Talk today. Hello. Hello, Doris, you're on the air. Yeah. Yes, uh, I'm here. Yeah, the reason I know you just talked to somebody else about uh, barking dogs. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a puppy. He's probably about six months old. Yes. And every time we let him out in the backyard, we have an alley behind us. Okay. No houses, nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, separates us. Sure. But he'll just get out there and run right to the alley and start barking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well... And one one of the things that you've got to do first and foremost is if you are just and this is a puppy you said so if you're just taking this puppy and putting the puppy outside and then going back in and closing the door um your dog has all the time in the world to be bored and when they're bored you know they might start barking at anything that's out there your dog could be barking at a smell 
that's a mile away because they can smell a drop of blood a mile away. That's how good their their sense of smell is. Um, their sense of hearing is very different than ours as well. Um, you know, right now, even though we haven't had much rain, we are kind of going into the monsoon season. And I can tell you, um, two nights ago, I had some rain in uh, in Mesa where I live, and um, I heard a little bit of thunder. But you know, my nine month old miniature schnauzer um, started growling out of nowhere. Well, it wasn't out of nowhere when I started thinking about it. I'm sure that there was some thunder that was going on in the background that I couldn't hear. And this is the first time that this nine-month-old schnauzer is beginning to hear that thunder. So one of the things that I recommend is when you take the puppy outside, go out there initially with the puppy. Start doing some enrichment activities, okay? Start playing with the puppy. Throw a ball, throw a frisbee, do a little bit of training out there and reward, you know, your dog, okay, when you do that. And part of that training that I recommend that you do is teach the dog, because it's the most important command, to come when called. Very easily, if your dog is, say, 10, 15 feet away from you or even further, what you can do is crouch down low on the ground. And when you make yourself low to the ground and your body language is right there at eye level with the dog, almost every dog comes running to you. As the puppy starts running to you, overlay the word come. Don't ask for it if the puppy doesn't know how to come. But make the association because dogs learn by association. And so you create the behavior by crouching down the Dog starts coming to you. As it happens, you say, come. Then you reward the dog. And I recommend that, you know, you get a really high-value food reward. Um, and you do that over and over. Um, and as your dog experiences going outside and not barking because it's got all this activity and enrichment, little by little, over about a month. I know that might sound like a long time, but again, there's no quick fixes. We're talking about conditioning, and conditioning takes time. In about a month's time... Your dog's going to be more interested in going out there and doing things. Now, one of the reasons I, I talked about that come command, let's say that the puppy, after you've had that trained in, now starts barking. Well, what you can do is you can go ahead and you can ask the puppy to come. And again, it's an alternative behavior that interrupts it. So your dog can't do two things at the same time. Your dog can't be barking and coming at the same time. Well, if the barking's not getting rewarded, but coming when called is getting a high-value treat, I guarantee you, as the dog learns this game, the dog's going to come to you and it's going to stop barking because it's going to want that food reward. We need to take a quick break here. You're listening to Pet Talk Today. I'm your host, Will Bangura. This is 1100KFNX. We'll be right back. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions and taking your calls. It's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free 866 866- 536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Welcome back. I'm your host, Will Bangura, and you're listening to Pet Talk Today on Independent Talk, 1100 KFNX. We're here talking about your pets and answering your pet behavior questions every Sunday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Uh, we're taking calls now. We're answering your questions now. Give us a call 
The number to call here in Phoenix is 602-277-5369, 602-277-KFNX. If you're outside of Phoenix, call us toll-free at 866-536-1100. Phil, do we have any more email questions uh, from folks? Yeah, we do. I've got an interesting one here, and it comes from Connie, who lives here in Phoenix. And she asks, my 15-year-old beagle is now deaf. What can I do to help her? That's a great question because a lot of people think, hey, you know, once they're deaf, there's there's nothing you can do. Um, and I'm assuming that, you know, she's having problems getting the dog to do certain things. It's not so much that she needs to help the dog. I think it's more that she wants some help to, to be able to, you know, get the dog to come when called or get the dog to sit or to stay so it's not bolting out the door. And, you know, she's out there, you know, telling the dog to do all kinds of things because even though we know they're deaf, we're going to continue to say it. It's just natural for us to do that. I recommend you go out and you get a vibration collar. What that is is it's a collar that vibrates, kind of like your cell phone on manner mode. It doesn't hurt. Um, it just gives a little sensation. Now, we're going to be doing something with that. The first thing we've got to do is we've got to teach your dog that when it feels that collar, that means to come to you when called. And we don't have to say anything. What we can do is we can go ahead and put a long, say we got a 50-foot leash on your dog and attach that to the regular collar, not the vibration collar. When your dog's at the end of that 50-foot leash, and even if it's a 20-foot leash, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to wait, just take your dog out somewhere, take the dog to the park. Your dog's a beagle, it's going to be sniffing everything, okay? The dog gets to the end of that line, and what I want you to do is I want you to crouch down as low as you can to the ground. I want you to press the button on that remote control, which is going to cause that collar to do this very light vibration. As you do that, I want you to give little tugs on that line. Each time you can get a little bit firmer, start off very light. As soon as your dog turns around, I guarantee you, your dog's going to come running to you because again, it sees you, you're crouched down low to the ground, you're making your body language very inviting, okay? As soon as your dog starts to run towards you, immediately stop the vibration. And when your dog gets to you, give your dog a food reward. Now, you need to do this over and over and over again. Dogs learn by repetition. They need to have muscle memory. That means you've got to do this a lot. But what you can do, as soon as you do that, just start walking around in the park, let the dog wander, let the dog sniff again, get behind the dog. Imagine that the dog's a clock. The head of the dog is the 12 o'clock position. The rear end is the 6 o'clock position. You get to that 6 o'clock position. And again, as the dog gets to the end of that line, crouch down as low as you can. Press the button on that vibration collar, which gives this very benign sensation to the dog. And start tugging on that leash a little bit. And as soon as the dog turns around and comes towards you, let that button go. And when the dog gets you, give it a reward. Now, why that? Because the biggest problem with a deaf dog is that they have to be looking at us in order for us to communicate. You can teach any dog to do anything with hand signals, just like you would do, just like you would teach any other dog rather than giving a verbal command, you can give a physical command. You're going to be helping the dog. So the dog, you want to teach a dog to sit, raise your hand up as you help the dog to sit by putting a little pressure on its rear end. 
give the dog a reward. You want to help the dog to learn how to lay down? Well, you can either help the dog lay down or you can wait. Your dog sits and lays down hundreds of times every day. Well, you can do a thing called capturing a behavior. As your dog lays down, you can go ahead and put your arm all the way down. That's a hand signal and reward your dog. Now, you haven't asked for it with that hand signal. What you're doing is you're pairing that association, creating that association over and over. And it's kind of like doing it the reverse way. Eventually, after you do that long enough, you can ask for it by just giving that hand signal and your dog knows, hey, every time I went down, she did that with her hand, the hand went down, and I got a food reward. So for whatever it might be, for your dog sitting, your dog laying down, you do the same thing for staying. You know, have a leash on the dog. The dog's getting ready to move somewhere. Put your hand in front of the dog. Stop the dog with that leash. Take a little movement. If the dog continues to go with you, Pull back on the leash a little bit with your hand in front of the dog's face. Then the next time you start to move, if the dog doesn't go with you, reward the dog with food. Um, it's tough when you've got deaf dogs um, for us, not so much for your dog. So I know you said, you know, what can I do to help the dog? Your dog, you know, dogs aren't like people. You know, I got a hangnail. I start whining and I start crying about it. Dogs are so resilient. You know, you get a dog that, you know, gets run over by a car and loses a leg, you know, two weeks later, that dog's running around with three legs, you know. Um, blind dogs, we've worked with a lot of blind dogs. And, you know, they just start sniffing their way through their environment. It's kind of like how they braille the world. They braille the world with their nose. So the biggest thing with a deaf dog is if you want to communicate to them, you've got to be able to get them to look at you. And the best way to do that is with that vibration collar and crouching down. As they start coming to you, reward them. They start to learn that anytime they feel that vibration, then that means to come to you. So give that a shot. See if See if that works and helps out a little bit. We have any other questions, Phil? Yeah, we've got absolutely. time for maybe one more. All right, let's do. Let's try this one. Um, this one should be relatively quick. This question comes from Ashling, who lives in Clearfield, Utah. How do I calm down an aggressive dog? How do you calm down an aggressive dog? Well, the first thing I want to say is, you know, aggression can be dangerous. You can get hurt when there's an aggressive dog. So, you always. Anytime there's aggression, you should hire a professional. Hire someone who knows what they're doing. Um, look to see if you've got an animal behaviorist that you can uh, call. Um, if you don't have an animal behaviorist, try to find uh, someone who's special, a trainer who specializes in aggression and have them come out. Um, right now, you know, what I would tell you is that because I don't want you to get hurt. And I can't tell you, you know, it takes us four to six months working with a dog and an owner to deal with most aggression cases. And, you know, in the few minutes that I have here, I tell you to do some things and, and all of a sudden it becomes dangerous and, and you get bit by the dog. What I can tell you to do, like I said, is call a trainer, call a behaviorist, okay? Also, bring your dog into the veterinarian. Oftentimes there are medical contributing factors to aggression, one of those is hypothyroidism. We've got an epidemic of canine hypothyroidism. 86% of dogs that have aggression problems have an underactive thyroid. So we always recommend you go to the vet, have them do a thyroid test, have them do some other blood work. The first thing you want to do is you want to rule out any medical causes that might be contributing factors and then contact a trainer, contact a behaviorist, and work with them. I don't want you to get hurt. 
Do we have any more questions? We got a little sure. more time. All right, we might let's, be able to take one. Let's, more. I think I've got a solution for this one. Okay. This question comes from Eliezer, who lives here in Arizona, and the question would be: How do I get my dog to not attack my chickens? Don't have chickens. No, I'm just kidding. That was my solution. I said, "Have you tried ducks? ducks maybe ducks. as a pet, something ducks. just another, just a a, a, a different outlet." But uh, that one, uh, that's an interesting one. You have a solution for him? Um, you want to take besides, besides the duck one uh, offhand without that? You know, it, it's kind of hard to say when I'm looking at at um, uh, trying to solve problems like that without seeing. You know, the dogs and, and their relation in terms of the surroundings. Um, you know, I'm going to look at uh, any of the, the situation, the environment, and say, okay, wait, where are the dogs, where are the chickens? And then I'm going to try and analyze um, a, uh, a system from there. But again, like we had uh, answered earlier about uh, getting the recall, having that recall, that come command in there, being able to call the dog away from certain distractions and, and, uh, uh, and certain triggers like that can always be helpful. But, um, yeah, that's a, I mean, I've, it's not something I really would probably tackle without going there and seeing what the environment actually looks like, and then I can come up with a plan. Definitely a recall would help, and you've got to practice that away from the chickens at first, okay, because the chickens are a big distraction. And your food reward has to be very high value, okay? Maybe it's some cooked chicken, not the ones that are running around, okay, but maybe a little bit of cooked chicken because uh, dogs typically like cooked chicken. Now, if that upsets you, then maybe some ham or something like that. You can do that. But I'll tell you this as well. When your dog goes out there, initially, what you want to do is you got to stop the behavior. So put a leash. Put a leash on the dog because your dog, you know, can't be going after chickens while you're holding the dog back with the leash. And then while you've got, you know, the dog on leash, what you can begin to do is start calling the dog's name. And as your dog looks up at you, then you're going to be able to reward the dog, and he would rather get that food reward that you're giving him than the fact that he can't get any of the chickens because you've got them leashed. We are out of time today, but I want to thank everybody for being here. You're listening to Pet Talk today on 1100 KFNX. We will see you next Sunday. Have a good weekend. Stop!